This is 6035 Media. In 1992, the state of Colorado and city of Colorado Springs were in a state of dismay, thanks to a headline-grabbing state constitutional amendment denying protection to gays and lesbians. This sparked the launch of the Colorado Springs Independent, a treasured weekly newspaper that has served this community for nearly 30 years. A conversation with the founders, next. In 1992, Colorado Springs was a one-newspaper town. Over the next 30 years, the Colorado Springs Independent was conceived, launched, and grew from a fledgling alt-weekly into seven newspapers, a vital community treasure, and the biggest independent news source in Southern Colorado. This podcast series shares the history and honors what the Indy has done for its community. It will also provide a glimpse of the future of this news organization as 6035 Media. These conversations were recorded during a live-streamed celebratory event on December 16, 2022. We called it Indefinity. In this episode, the founders reminisce. Welcome to Indefinity. <laughs> we, we are live, we think, and this is a very ambitious project today. Hopefully all day until 5 p.m. here in the Mountain Time Zone, we are going to be honoring the 30-year history of the Colorado Springs Independent, sharing some remembrances, talking about uh, why we love the Independent, and also giving everyone a, a preview of the exciting future after the metamorphosis. We're really making history this month and next month, and I'm honored to be a part of it. I'm Dave Gardner, and I've been a huge fan of the Independent for many, many years, and uh, uh, a big fan of the three people that are sitting at this table. And uh, I'm the executive producer of podcasts here at 6035 Media. That's why I get to be here. But this segment's going to be easy for me because I don't really need to be doing any other talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the presence of greatness here. I mean, you, you guys did something. You put us on the map. So, uh, so across from me, we have John Weiss, co-founder and uh, longtime owner of the uh, Colorado Springs Independent, Colorado Springs Business Journal, and a number of other publications, and Terry Homick, who uh, was also on the the launch team. You were the first staffer. And uh, Richard Scorman, and and by the way, Terry, you're still here. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) They can't get rid of you, and I'm glad. I'm really glad. And then Richard Scorman, never. I don't think you've ever been on the staff here, but Uh, you were. I was, but just a little bit. For a little bit. For more than a little bit. He was associate editor. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And a a temporary film critic. Yeah. (laughs) That would stand to reason. Yeah. But you were really involved in the very, very early stages of all this, and... uh, we're gonna. We're hoping to in the future months to share some more in depth, more intimate conversations with uh, with each of you, where you can tell more of the story. We only have about twenty minutes here, so we can't do that much. But I want to just turn it over to you. Oh, and we have one more guest. That's great. The other co-founder, Catherine Eastburn. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so, Catherine Eastburn. Also, uh, I am in awe because you. And John were the, the people who did the hard work to get this thing going. So thank you. Thank you, all of you. Many, many others doing the hard work. Yeah, yeah that's a really important point, I think, that uh, you, know, you guys are going to get a lot of credit, especially you and Catherine. You always do. But mm-hmm. if you hadn't hired good people and then turned them loose, mm-hmm. 
we wouldn't have what we have today, huh? That's right, exactly. And uh, and they did it at the right time. Uh, that's the part that I really want to talk about a little bit today. Is uh, it, people don't realize that back in '93, it was right after Amendment Two, and uh, Colorado Springs was just a crazy place. Uh, we called. I used to say uh, that we were in the culture wars, and uh, there was no media source that would be pro LGBTQ plus none. And uh, actually. Springs Magazine, uh, yeah, but they were monthly, and everybody was supporting Amendment Two, the Gazette's editorial page, and and lo and behold, John came and he didn't leave. He hung out in my office for quite a bit, <laughs> and I gave him free pizza, <laughs> and uh, he cooked this up with Catherine, and and uh, what a, what an incredible time and gift that they gave to the city. And if someone didn't know what Amendment 2 was, they probably had, had a good opportunity to be, be reminded recently, but maybe yeah. we can... after Club Q, well, it was really, it was a, a law that was passed and put in the state constitution. It was a citizen's initiative that, that uh, didn't allow any government to protect people based on their sexual orientation. And so you could get fired, you could, get, you know, be uh, told you couldn't live somewhere, and, uh, boy, people were just... Uh, so shocked, number one, that it passed, and number two, that it came from here. And we were the center of anti-gay activity for the whole country. And Catherine, you were shocked, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to add to that we were called Ground Zero, widely, not just here, um, for anti-gay rights activity. And uh, I I remember taking my daughter to college um, uh, to visit and uh, she went to Brown in Providence, Rhode Island. And I met people up there and in Massachusetts at the time who said to me, oh, you live at Ground Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So, I mean, it, it was it was a reputation that was widely spread and it was very alarming. And Colorado Springs, uh, uh, you know, we had Focus on the Family Move here, the largest radio ministry in the world, and this is their big purpose. And Colorado for Family Values started here and, and uh, all that. But but you, you know, Catherine and John and, and every all of us were committed, but, boy, you took some chances and uh, probably got some death threats and probably <laughs> got banned from supermarkets because you had – you know, men seeking men and the women seeking women, personal ads and, and uh, all the craziness. Yeah. Yeah, I can address that. I remember, um, <laughs> yeah. do you remember Mike McKee and Tom Pedigo and whichever girlfriend? And they created that fake religious organization and boycotted a lot of our clients and sent letters. They were faxing back in the day and, and mailing. And I remember being at Le Creperie with Stephanie and Huguette and um, having lunch one day. And that either Tom or Mike called while I was there. And she used some choice words with him, might have dropped a few F-bombs and said, don't ever call here again. But that happened a lot to our clients yeah. back in the day. No, there was a boycott list. You were, you were on the top of it, <laughs> the independent was. And, uh, but yeah, it, it took uh, a lot of courage back then. And what a huge relief to finally have a media source. And then I can go through the whole list. I mean, I, I don't want to dominate this discussion, but I don't think tops would have passed if it wasn't for the independent. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, all these beautiful open spaces that people take for granted. Uh, we won by 5,000 votes. 
And then uh, John, you know, was a uh, was a key part of it. He was co-director of the campaign, but uh, the independent really was was a huge, huge part of reason we we have Red Rock Canyon and Stratton Open Space and all these other places. And and then even my political career, my four times on council, I barely won the first time. <laughs> I talked uh, John out of having three categories in the best of issue, best old hippie, best leftist <laughs> radical, and best tree hugger. And, uh, and so then I uh, was able to run for council because I won all of those uh, every time. Man, you're doing a great job here, Richard. I think you're going to get best podcaster, too. Oh, hey, about that? I might have to give you the mic on a regular basis. Yeah. So, Terry, you were the first salesperson, sales director, mm-hmm. or is that what they called you when you well, I had many by? titles over the years, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, you did. So was it, what was it like going, you know, knocking on doors uh, in those early days? It was really exciting and scary because we were the hate state and, you know, it was crazy. My gay friends from Texas wouldn't even come visit me because of all that mm-hmm. and with Amendment 2. But um, I remember that one of the funniest things, you'd call and say, hey, this is Terry from The Independent. Oh, that must be so much fun working at a record store. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> remember that, Kathy? Um but that went on for, I'd say, a couple good years. Um, and then finally people became to accept us. And we had clients like uh, Dan from Mountain Chalet. We had so many clients like Dan who bought because we weren't the Gazette and that loved having another voice in town. And um, tons of clients like that. Got a lot of support from those people. Yeah. And, and, and one more, if, it, you know, if I can dominate a little bit more here, is... Uh, there was no film critic in Colorado uh-huh. Springs. Uh, it, the Gazette bought the Colorado Springs Sun, Sun yep. put it out of business, and I was the film critic for the Colorado Springs Sun, so I was fired with everybody else. They only kept Chuck AC, the, <laughs> the crazy political cartoonist. But, but, but having said that, uh, uh, the, we had a movie theater for 10 years, 12 years, with Kimball at Poor Richards, and then he moved it down to Kimball's, and nobody would review our movies. You know, we get these odd, you know, independent yeah. films and art films. And the crying game. Crying game, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. And uh, finally, you know, there was a, uh, a, a newspaper that would do that, and, and it would come out on Thursday, which is great for us because the movie started on Friday. And, and uh, But, yeah, but, uh, another gift for me, and I think for the community in many ways. John, I think, I mean, someone might, if they didn't know the history of The Independent and know The Independent today, just from this conversation, they might jump to the conclusion that The Independent is a is a gay weekly. And Actually, some people thought that at, t- at times, well, right? Well, because the ad's in the back of the well, book. We were much, we were challenging the status quo in Colorado Springs, and we were doing this as a social change newspaper. We were very upfront gay issue was important and and, and for us the idea of civil unions were beyond our wild imagination the things that have changed but we wanted to promote tolerance in all its forms we wanted to promote downtown and downtown was dead in all its forms literally Richards was about the only place Phantom Canyon was being (laughs) built with bites, you know, we wanted to promote the environment. We wanted to promote sustainability, and we wanted to be able to do two things: communicate with the thirty to forty percent of the community that believed in us. They had no way to communicate, whether it was 
you know, our listings before the internet. It's hard to believe, but the newspaper was the internet. We could communicate, here's a jazz club, here's a community club, here's an event happening. And then also to be forward, to be able to direct, to challenge the majority in this community about all sorts of issues. And for us, it was gays and lesbians. There was nothing else we never talked about. I mean, that was beyond controversial, you know what I mean, and the whole change. And I believe in a lot of ways we were able to communicate and challenge whether it was the Gazette or local media or everyone else. And it was lots of mini victories. It was not just every advertiser, every distribution place was a communication, was a dialogue. And it really helped us. We, we helped change this community. And it's evolved to where it is now, which is we wouldn't, it's not believable to what it would be like 30 years ago. And I guess that evolution would be visible to you, especially in that you've probably, Terry, seen how you were considered, really considered rebels in 1993 and 1994. Today, maybe not quite so much? No, not nearly, n- nothing like it used to be. I mean, we had we ran into so many weird little troubles. I remember that cover Conroe did. Which the, one? The summer the summer cover with that girl on the beach ball cracking a whip, mm-hmm. and we lost. Uh, I won't say who the client was. It was going to be a full time thirteen time. I mean, a full page thirteen time contract, mm-hmm. and I had to walk in that day to sign that ad mm-hmm. agreement, and they looked at me and they said they held up the cover the paper. They just shook their head. But we don't have things like that happen very often anymore. But back in the day, it happened yeah. pretty often. <laughs> and, and a woman wrote the paper. Yeah, I mean, think about that yeah. back then. It was unusual. Kathy, uh, you were a huge part of, part mm. of that. Strong, strong and lots, probably more women employees. I was an honorary lesbian, but mm-hmm. I wasn't a woman. But, but having said that, uh, it's, you know, there's, there's things you did that were different. And, uh, and then the, the in-depth reporting is, is something that was so needed. You know, the Gazette at the time, uh, you know, was doing just these sound bites and nothing in-depth. And, boy, it would just be such a relief to read, you know, what the real behind the stories were. And our goal was not to tell our side of the story. The goal was to tell all sides of the story. Right. And it's not two. It's multiple. And then weigh in when needed with more facts. But, I mean, for us, things, I mean, so much things Catherine did, which was amazing, but domestic bliss was just looking at the what's going on in somebody's life and writing about it and beautiful, the beauty of the, the, the content and the beauty of how it was written was just powerful. It was enjoyable. Yeah. And hopefully when you read our paper, it was part NPR and part New York Times and part Bart Simpson. You know what I mean? And the idea is to be able to enjoy life and to, to celebrate what we, to try to create the community that we wanted to, we wanted to live in. And we did. And we did. And people don't understand, one of the most radical things we did was be a free paper. And it wasn't radical to me because I studied and looked at other, and Kathy and I, believed in free papers in other communities but people that took a lot of getting used to how can you how can you because but because we were free instead of having 3,000 readers we had 30,000 readers because people would pick it up and if you pick it up they'll read it and we had literally I mean Ben Glidden who was a stockbroker he'd pick up 
another publication and put our publication in it and King, you know, because people didn't want to be associated with us. And we became a force to be reckoned with reasonably quickly. We, our goal was to be the Pepsi, or we said now the Odwalla to the Gazette's Coke, you know what I mean? But the idea is that we were able to create a two newspaper town and create dialogue and get people to think. And lots of people in this room played a huge role in creating this communication vehicle. And I, for one, am excited because we're metamorphosizing. We're coming into something new. And I'm excited, very excited that this new people are doing it. And it's going to be the communication vehicles for the 21st century. I wish we had uh, a couple of hours, but uh, uh, and I'm not wrapping it up just yet, but I want to do two things. One is I want to acknowledge that in the peanut gallery over here, we've got Ralph Routon, who's got a long history in the newspaper business, very long, and a long history with this organization, mm-hmm. too. And he'll be sitting at the table in the, in the next segment, so we'll get to hear from him. And Catherine, just because you're not here, you know, interrupt and chime in. She's down there in Texas with Terry's gay friends, I guess. <laughs> Yes, I'm here with my 94-year-old mother. Wow, yes. it was hard, it was hard when you moved from Colorado Springs, Kathy. We, yeah, you, you've been such a heart and soul, you know, of this place, and I still think of you as being here. Well, I'll be back. Everybody always comes back to Colorado. Springs. Well, you were just here. Yeah, that's, that's true. Right. That's I true. was. But uh, yeah, the challenges back then. Uh, what a gutsy thing for you to do to to uh, help. You know, be the publisher and, and uh, buy this paper, co-buy it, back when when uh, there wasn't an, an, a, a model like this before. So th- I just always wanted to thank you. Well, I have to say we did depend on our other association of alternative news weekly models. We mm. didn't reinvent the wheel. We, mm. we, Ron and I both came into it loving those papers mm-hmm. in places we'd lived before where they served a major purpose. Uh, for me, it was the Nashville scene, and for John, it was Phoenix Papers up in the Northeast. And, mm. you know, we learned everything from other publishers and other editors and other ad sales directors. Mm. They trained us. Yeah. Well, the, well you uh, you did a good job. Some, in some ways, I think, better than a lot of those. Oh, yeah. I mm. think so, too. We were, yeah. we were a lot more serious. Yeah. We're down to our last minute, but go for it, Terry. Yeah, and I just want to say, as we're ending this, there's a lot of people that uh, the Indies whose backs was built on, and I'm going to go through them because they're all super important, and I want to make sure that they're acknowledged. And I'll go quickly. We have George, Donna, Malcolm, MB, Suzanne, Mark, Ellen, Susan, Sherry, Mike Z, John Hazel, Anthony, Andrea, Kat, Jen, Sally, Yvonne, Jack, Marcus, Melissa, Andy, Glenn, Heidi, David, Jeffrey, Matt, Tammy, Brandon, Kate, Jason, and my assistants, Tina, Louise, Olivia, PK, and Lori. And to the dear friends, Catherine, Kara, Carrie, Kathy Conroe, Shauna, Kathy, Caton, Fran, and John. And uh, three people who became my best friends to this day, Victoria, Dave, and Judith. And Jeff Moore, my husband, who I met here at the company. (laughs) And a big shout out to all of our advertisers, some of whom have just been with us a few years and some the whole time. Without them, we never would have made it. And for my clients, too many to mention, you know who you are and you know I love you. And to those who passed, Aurelius Seppenfeld, a.k.a. Z, Alan Carpenter, mm-hmm. and my dear friend Scott Lavander. And Mark Hummels. And Mark Hummels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark, wow. Yeah. 
Well, now we do have to wrap up, and we're going to just leave the stream for a minute while we change people at the table, and then we'll be right back within a minute or two. Let me just finish by saying The Independent is a gift to this community. It was a gift in 1993. It's been a gift for almost 30 years, and now a new gift. You know, John, you are donating. Mm -hmm. You are donating it to this mm -hmm. community. So thank you very much. Well, it's, uh, it's always been owned by this community. It's been owned by, I've been a caretaker. Support 6035 Media's future delivering truth, building community, and engaging citizens. Donate or become a supporting member at 6035membership.org. Don't miss our entire collection of local podcasts celebrating, informing, and engaging this community. Follow 6035 Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. Indefinity is co-produced and co-hosted by Dave Gardner. Nick Raven co-produced, co-hosted, and directed. Kathy Riley and Chloe Brooks-Kissler stage-managed. Thanks to all the staff and community members who pitched in to celebrate 30 years of indie history and the launch of 6035 Media.